0: Hello, I'm Ray, with another hour of ranting and rambling. (laughs) No, with another podcast episode that hopefully you'll find interesting. This one is all about days out. Days out in the 1950s, 1960s. I think most people's days out then were picnics. Picnic out in the woods, in the countryside, or to the beach. A picnic down to the beach. That's what people did. There weren't any theme parks back then. It's probably my age, but to be honest, I can't stand theme parks. They're just noisy, full of people. I mean, I love kids. I love to see kids having fun. Don't get me wrong. All running around, screaming and shouting. That's great. But there are far too many. You know, you get a a theme park and there are just far too many people crammed into it. I suppose, with all due respect to the theme park owners, they want as many people in there as possible because they're in the business of making money. You know, they're not trying to keep people happy, they're they're making money. That's the thing with any business these days. People moan about banks. Oh banks should do this, the banks should do that, they're closing branches, which I think is dreadful. But of course they're trying to make money. I love these adverts where they say, We're here to help you, whether it be a bank or whatever. You know, We're here to help and support you. No, you're not. You're here <laughs> You're here to make money. You're here to make money out of us. Stupid! It is the way they, some of these adverts honestly. Adverts are getting worse, aren't they? They really are getting worse. What well, have you seen that latest one, or rather heard, where people all? I think they're singing. I think they are meant to be singing, but they all end up screaming. I just have to turn the thing off. And there's that other one where they're all going woo. Then someone else joins in woo woo, and they all. I forget what it's advertising. See, that's a bad advert. If you can't remember what it's advertising. Well, the advert hasn't worked has it all i can remember in those two adverts is the first one they're all screaming and in the second one they're all going <laughs> i don't know anyway theme parks how are you it, 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 lockdown is nearly over isn't it it was i don't know where oh i don't know i can't keep up with it i keep saying that i can't keep up with it we went out for breakfast the other day to shoreham airport which was nice and we had to wear a mask, you know, going into the place. Um, and we had to sit at a table far away from other people's tables and all that. But it was really nice just to go out. It was a lovely breakfast. And uh, we sat there. There weren't any planes flying, but we sat there looking over out across the airport. There weren't any planes flying. I'll tell you why. The place opens at seven and we were there at sort of half seven. You know, we're early, early birds we are. So we're over there very, very early. And there's hardly anyone around. Just as we were leaving, a few more people were coming in. But uh, yeah, that was really nice. And we went up to Highdown Gardens. I think I mentioned that on last uh, Wednesday's midweek message, didn't I? That was nice up there. But the thing is, with anywhere like that, Highdown Gardens, the woods, wherever you go. Do you remember when I was in Somerset, I did a couple of recordings. In the background, you can hear traffic. And at High Down Gardens, I'm going to play you a clip in a minute, and you'll hear the traffic. Now, it's a good, it must be quarter of a mile away from the main road, something like that. Right up the hill, quarter of a mile away from the main road, which is the A259. (laughs) You can look that up on the map. Oh, High Down Gardens. No, it's a lovely place, but standing in there in the woods, listening to the birds, there's the constant noise of traffic in the background you can't hear car engines as such or you know people changing gear and revving up it's just that you probably know what i mean i'll play it in a minute that constant drone of traffic in the background all the time and i'm becoming more and more aware of this wherever i go i mean the beach is different you've got the main road just at the back of the beach so fair enough you're going to hear traffic but if you walk deeper and deeper into the woods you would expect not to hear traffic, but the sound carries. It's incredible how far the sound actually carries. Now my mission is to find somewhere in the woods, somewhere where I can't hear traffic, and I will do it. I mean, there's got to be places, hasn't there? If you look on the map, map of the UK, look in the middle of a forest, and the nearest road is miles away. Surely you can't, can you? You can't hear the traffic there. Surely you've heard of. Light pollution, no doubt, you know, where all the light from the towns is all going up, you know, shining on the sky. So people trying to look at planets and stars and stuff, they can't because of light pollution. Well, I think they talk about sound pollution. They're not talking about raves and discos and stuff. It's things like the traffic, isn't it? That constant drone of traffic wherever you are. So, yes, that's going to be my mission. I shall go... (laughs) rambling and roaming with my portable recorder uh, to see what I can hear to see if I can not hear traffic just for a change that would be lovely going back to days out now Sundays always seemed to be picnic day for us when I was a kid my mum would pack up the hamper you know the wicker hamper the wicker basket with the lid you open the lid and in the lid with leather straps there are the plates and they were Bakelite originally I think they went on to plastic And in the hamper itself, you've got knives and forks and cups and saucers, all that stuff, everything for a picnic. And you could get kind of four place or six place settings. Now, we were a family of six. I don't remember what was in the hamper, how many plates there were. But if there weren't enough, obviously, mum would chuck in a couple of extra ones. So you'd find a spot in the country or down on the beach, preferably the country, lay the blanket out. You know, We'd find a spot, lay the blanket out on the ground, making sure there's nothing horrible there from cows or sheep or whatever's in the field, preferably not a bull in the field, lay the blanket down and set out all the bits and pieces, and we'd have a picnic. And of course, in the early days, which was lovely, no one took a radio with them. There were radios going back to the 40s. There were portable radios. They were valve, you know, um, tube radios, as they call them in America. Valve radios with big batteries in, two big batteries, HT and LT batteries. And they worked out in the middle of the field. You know, obviously, you didn't have to plug them in. And that was the first kind of portable type battery. Before that, people on picnics used to take a gramophone, a wind-up gramophone, You know, you see in old films, don't you? And old photographs, they're having a picnic. They've got the car parked there and there's an old wind-up gramophone. Now, I must admit, I didn't like it when transistor radios came in. That was what, late 50s, early 60s? I mean, I had a transistor radio. It was brilliant, but I didn't take it on a picnic. You don't want, well, I don't want, when you're sitting out in the countryside, you don't want to be listening to some DJ or whatever playing music on the radio. You can do that at home. You can do that anyway. Surely when you're in the countryside, you want to hear the, the lovely sounds of the countryside anyway. Later on, people started taking transistor radios. You could hear it. You, you're thinking, oh, it's a nice spot here. Hang on, what's that? I can hear music. Oh, I have to move. I can hear music. You don't want to hear that. You know, it's some idiot having a picnic the other end of the field or something. That gets you on the beach, doesn't it? It gets me. You find a spot on the beach. You think, oh, this will do. Look. Well, sit here, spread your blanket out, got your picnic hamper, and then you see a family, you know, the the husband and wife, couple of kids, they're wandering down the stones. You hear them behind you, crunch, crunch. They get onto the sand, the tide's out. Seagulls are screaming. Lovely. They come and sit right next to you. They put their blanket like a few feet away from yours. You know, I feel like saying to them, "Look, look, there's a whole beach here. You've got the entire beach, acres of sand. And you've got to sit like two feet away from me. You know, why don't you off, clear off? That's what I'm looking for. Why do people do that? They do, don't they? You get a park, a park with bench seats all round. You think, I'll sit on this one. There's no one here. I'll sit here. What does someone do? They walk past all the empty benches and sit right next to you. With my friends and family, there's this sort of running joke that I don't like people. Is it Anton Rogers in um, A Christmas Carol? scrooge and that where he sings (laughs) what is it i hate people i hate people (laughs) that's my song according to the family and friends of mine happy days of course back in those happy days parking wasn't a problem traffic wasn't a problem fewer cars and fewer people of course we could drive out anywhere more or less anywhere into the country you could park more or less anywhere Safely, I mean, you know, not blocking a, a farmer's gate as the idiots do these days, or they'll they'll stop at a farmer's gate and chuck out old mattresses and all their rubbish, and then drive off and leave it there. Dreadful. I think for for that sort of thing, um what do they call it, fly tipping, there should be like a fifty thousand pound fine. <laughs> Mind you that wouldn't stop people, would it? They'd still do it. But parking wasn't a problem. You could park anywhere on a country lane. There were little lay-bys or just pull into the woods if there's a a clear spot. It was brilliant. And then just wander into the woods or across a field. The first picnic I ever, ever, ever remember, I was less than five years old because we lived in Sompting. Look on the map. (laughs) We lived in Sompting, just near Lansing, in a very, very small bungalow. It was like a I think it was a two-bedroom bungalow, more like a half-bedroom bungalow with half a lounge and a quarter of a kitchen. It was that small. I won't mention the name of the road case. No, I mustn't. People living there might think, oh, that's that's nice to describe my bungalow. No, a lot of them now I've noticed there, they've had rooms put in the loft and extensions because they were ultra-tiny bungalows. I mean, it was great. I was happy there. We moved away from there when I was five. But down the road from there was a huge field and some trees. Yes, it's all housing estates now. No, actually, it's not. No, this little bit where we went, that field, I believe, is still there. And we went, uh, there were four of us in the family then. Mum and Dad sat in the corner of the field with a blanket and the picnic hamper, and we ran off the other side of the field. Now, my sister's two years younger than me, so I reckon she was three and I was five. Yeah, we moved away when I was five, so that would be about right. And I remember that picnic. It was fantastic. We could run around in the field. My dad was waving. And what he, uh, we thought he was meaning come back. But he wasn't. He, he was waving to go further away. He was telling us to clear off, go further away. Because we ran back and said, what? You know, what do you want? And he said, no, no, no. I was waving for you to go for. But I think he was trying to get rid of us. <laughs> uh, trying to, hoping we'd get lost. Oh, good. That's the end of the kids. Damn nuisance they are. No, seriously, that's my first ever picnic. And uh, I enjoyed many, many hundreds of picnics after that. As I said earlier, these days, days out aren't so much. Well, they, they might take a packed lunch. A family might take a packed lunch. It's not a picnic as I knew it when I was a child, but it's a lot of theme parks. So it costs a fortune to get in, doesn't it? If you've got two or say you've got four children, there's six of you, absolute fortune to get in for the day i suppose once you're in then all the rides and stuff are free but i don't know it's the noise and the all the palaver of it the whole thing it's just talk about drone of the traffic drone of the noise of the the noise of the rides and the people the, i don't know it's just not my thing at all now this is nice our grandchildren right when they have a day out they very often go to the woods their mum and dad take them to the woods And they do um, a, what is it, where you go from tree to tree. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. You know what I mean. You go across rope ladders and sort of rope bridges and stuff like that, down a zip wire. It's fantastic because it's all out in the countryside. And they are surrounded by the birds and wildlife and things. It's all in the woods. And it's a lot of physical exercise. You know, climbing up these sort of rope net type things and across rope bridges and all this sort of stuff down the zip wire it's all fantastic fun and it's in the woods I love all that is it go ape go ape isn't it one of the things I mean you don't have to go and spend loads of money doing go ape you know you you can just go to the woods they often take their bikes now there's six of them all together and they take their bikes you know mum dad the four kids and they'll cycle off into the woods and they go sort of trekking and that through the woods it really is fantastic and that is a great day out that costs, well, basically next to nothing, or nothing. One day out, I remember as a child, I must have been 11 or 12, we took a, a train. Uh, now, behind Shoreham used to be Shoreham Cement Works, which is actually, I think, is it Upper beat No, it's not Upper beading, is it? It's Beading. Anyway, behind, look on the map. <laughs> behind Shoreham, there used to be Shoreham Cement Works, big tall chimney, and that's where they made cement. That's why it was called Shoreham Cement Works, probably. And they they ran a steam engine pulling a couple of coaches, carriages. What's gee, I've never known the difference. Is it or a train? Is it the whole thing? Is it a coach or a carriage? And are the compartments coaches or carriages? I don't know, that's all by the way, it doesn't matter, does it? So this steam engine pulling a couple of coaches what ran uh ran from Shoreham up to the cement works because there was a branch line and they did these kind of trips. And that was fantastic, I remember that. I can't remember what happened at the end of the line. Uh, It went up to the cement, I think it went further. It must've gone up to beading. Uh, But anyway, we took this steam pulled train up there. Now that was a good day out, that was a Sunday. As I said before, most of these things were on a Sunday. Obviously during the week, everyone was at school and at work and Saturdays Saturdays seemed to be a busy day at home there's stuff going on at home gardening and car repair you know car maintenance if you had a car everyone did plugs points and uh, stuff like that muck about with the car top up the water check the oil so Sunday was the the real day off for the whole family that's why all the trips out were on a Sunday but that was lovely i remember going on that train up there, the old steam engine chugging away up front. That was a brilliant day out. And I think I'm pretty sure that we took a bit of a picnic with us because, well, wherever you went on a day out, you took a picnic. You didn't go to, where did, we went somewhere, I can't remember, near Haywood's Heath, Linfield, somewhere up there. You go for a walk, well, for a lovely country walk, and at the, <laughs> halfway round the walk, there's this Kind of a hot dog van, well not hot dog, whatever they're doing, coffee and um, doughnuts and all. You don't want all that when you go for a country. No wonder people are fat. And I can say that because I'm not polit- polit- politically, I can't even say that. I'm not politically correct. I mean, my stomachs fat? Ah, ah, now I've lost half a stone. Yes, how about that? Seven pounds in weight I've lost in a couple of weeks. So that's not bad going. And I'll tell you what, I feel much better for it. And so do my shirts. My shirt buttons were straining. And, you know, people would joke, that button's about to fly off. And I thought, oh dear, that's embarrassing. But I've lost half a stone. So I'm down a notch on my belt for my trousers because I made extra holes because I was getting rather large. But now I'm down a couple of extra holes on the belt. So that's good. But picnics were healthy. You know, we didn't have chocolate bars and crisps and donuts and cake. We had proper, you know, you had sandwiches, perhaps a a, a little bit of cake or something like that, but not masses of chocolate and crisps like people do these days. Well, not everyone, of course, not everyone does. We quite often went to the beach. You know, I don't like the beach. I've said all this before. I think one of the reasons I didn't like the beach, you had to be careful because there was tar everywhere black lumps of bitumen you know tar what the oil tankers did out in the English Channel they wash out their oil tanks with seawater I mean it's illegal now but they used to back in the 50s they used to wash out their tanks and of course all the oil because it was heavy was it crude oil or whatever it is and it would all wash up onto the beach and kind of almost solidify it was lumps of tar and you get it on your clothes you couldn't get it off it was all over the place of course, with, on the uh, birds as well, seagulls, they get it on them and they die. But wherever you went on the beach, you couldn't just put your blanket down in any old spot. You had to check everywhere, look all around for these huge lumps of tar all over the place. I mean, that was awful. Plus, I remember going in the water as a child. There were sewer outlets all along the beach. And yeah, yeah I'm not going to say much more than that, but you know what I saw in the water? You know, you're paddling around, having a swim about, and next to you think, oh, uh, I think I'll just move over here a bit. I I think that's what put me off. Well, it's enough to put anyone off. Plus, I couldn't swim. I still can't swim. I've just never liked the water. I'm not afraid of the water at all. Well, having said that, I wouldn't want to be chucked in at the deep end of a swimming pool because I can't swim. But uh, funnily enough, I can float. Isn't that weird? I can, on my back... I can float and I can move my arms and my legs a bit and kind of propel myself. I can't do it on my front because I just sink. But if I just lay on my back, I can float for hours. It's fine. It's not a problem. And and just wave my arms a bit and move around. So I suppose if I did fall in the deep end of the swimming pool, now I'd probably panic, wouldn't I? I don't know. If I could just relax on my back and float, I'd be fine. Before I forget, I'll just play you that little audio clip of when I was up at High Down Gardens. I'm at High Down Gardens in Worthing, looking at a baby rabbit. Can you believe it? A tiny baby rabbit just sitting on the path in front of me. I'm not gonna do a much of a recording here because there's someone hammering. Can you hear the traffic? That's the main road down the bottom of the hill. It's such a shame wherever I go in the woods, you can hear traffic. It really is such a shame. It's beautiful. They spent just under a million pounds here on high-down gardens just outside Worthing. Just under a million pounds and it's wonderful. It really is beautiful. It's been pouring with rain. In fact it's spitting with rain now. But uh, not to worry. Just a shame about that constant traffic noise in the background. Birds are singing. All the trees and bushes are all dripping because it's been raining quite hard. Absolutely wonderful here. We were going to come up here about a week ago but we had to book a time as you do these days and it was lashing with rain that day. It just lashed with rain all day so we cancelled that one and we've come up here today. There are some fantastic plants here. This belonged to Lord and Lady Stern and when they passed away they left it to the local council. It's free of charge, there's no no money to get in and it's all run by the local council. It's been closed, well, because of COVID, but it was closed anyway for a year while they were doing all the work. The plants here are wonderful. The, The fragrances oh, absolutely wonderful. You hear a wood pigeon? I mean, this is paradise for wildlife, rabbits, I bet there are a few foxes around here as well. Wonderful. I actually met Lord, was it Frederick Stern, Lord Stern. I met him when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I was with a friend and we were up high downhill, poking about up there as kids do. And we found this sort of gap in a hedge. We went through there, through all the bushes and we found ourselves in this amazing garden. We thought it was like heaven, paradise, you know, Garden of Eden. And we wandered round and we couldn't believe it, you know, the pond and the rest of it, absolutely amazing flowers. Anyway, when I got home, I told my parents, I said, there's an amazing Garden of Eden up there at High Down. Of course, you know, my dad was saying, no, it's not. There's nothing up High Down, just a clump of trees at the top and an underground reservoir. So I said, well, come and have a look. Anyway, my mum and dad came up there with me. I led them through the the gap in the bushes, into this Garden of Eden. I think they were quite stunned. <laughs> anyway, we were wandering along, admiring all the... Well, my dad was admiring all the exotic plants, and coming towards us was a nurse pushing a wheelchair with this old boy in it. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh dear, who's this? <laughs> anyway, this nurse said, uh, what are you doing here? And my dad explained. He said, oh, sorry, you know, my son found a way in through the bushes and we didn't believe him so we've come to have a look and this is it what we found this amazing garden and she said well this is lord stern the owner of the garden oops (laughs) and he was very nice actually he said um welcome to my garden you're quite welcome to have a look round words to this effect he said but might be nice if you contribute something towards the upkeep say half a crown so my dad gave him half a crown, you know, two and sixpence. And he let us wander around the garden. Oh, he did say, don't come back, which I suppose was fair enough. I mean, it was his private garden. And no doubt he, because he asked where we got in and we told him, no doubt he got his gardener or gardeners in uh, those days to block up the, <laughs> the entrance where we would got in, probably fence it up or something like that. But, uh, you know, we only met him briefly and he seemed a very nice man. Apparently he was a, I read something about him in the 1920s. He was a a millionaire and he travelled the world collecting plants for his garden. There are trees there as well. There are trees which are kind of exotic from abroad somewhere. Have a look on the internet if you're interested. High Down Gardens Worthing. His house, a massive house, uh, I've been in there. Uh, it was turned into a nightclub called Sterns. Um If you're local to me, you've probably heard of it. And I, I used to go there, I mean, it was great. I really enjoyed the nightclub. It was up the road from where I lived. And I used to think, though, when I was in there, what would he think? This was his house, and it's now a nightclub, and there's people drinking and dancing, there's loud music, all sorts going on. This was his house, and I used to picture him in the garden in his wheelchair. And I used to think, I don't know, probably turning in his grave. You know, it's awful, really. I went upstairs at the house. You weren't allowed to, but I went upstairs. Huge wooden staircase. I had to look round and fantastic place. Uh, I think now it's a restaurant. No doubt you heard that traffic, that drone of the traffic noise from the garden there. Of course, that wouldn't have happened in his day. I mean, when I was up there, what, 12 years old or whatever, I wasn't aware of traffic, but there wasn't any. I wouldn't have been aware anyway. That's what I'm trying to say. Not the sort of thing I was listening for. Of course, there's also all the traffic fumes. You know, all you can hear all the traffic noise, but there's all the exhaust fumes. Where's all that going? Probably drifting up the hill into the garden. So you, you can't escape. You can't escape cars, can you? If I look out of my window here, the road's full of cars wherever you go, down the seafront, anywhere full of cars, car parks are full up, can't go into town any, I don't know, not much point in moaning and ranting and raving about cars. <laughs> because nothing's gonna change. What well, it it's gonna get worse. Another great day out that I really enjoyed was Lancing Carriage Works. Look that up on the internet, carriage as in trains, where the British Rail, where they did all the repair work and rebuilding of stuff, was just over at Lansing between where I am and Shoreham Airport, basically, because in those days there were railway sidings. There were sidings in Worthing here, in Hove, all the sidings for the coal, uh, where all the coal trains uh, dumped off coal and whatever they did. Massive piles of coal beside the track. I remember seeing all that. Of course, that's gone. But Lansing Carriage Works, that was where they had a load of railway sidings and they repaired... Steam engines, as well as other things, they had steam engines there. And they fitted, I remember seeing, I don't know how old I was again, 11 or 12. I remember watching them fit the tyres onto the train wheels. You know, they call them tyres. I mean, immediately you think of a rubber tyre, but these are the steel tyres that they put on. And what they did, I stood there watching them with other people all around, of course, put this huge steel ring in the fire. And when it's all glowing red, they take it out stick it on the train wheel and hammer it on and then pour water all over it to cool it so the, the metal tyre would shrink onto the wheel. So what they did, instead of replacing the whole axle assembly with the you know, the wheels, they just replaced the metal tyres and that's how they did it. And we also went up onto a the footplate of a, a steam engine, blew the whistle, stuff like that, looked at the fire, had a, a walk round a massive place it was um, I don't know what's on the land now. <laughs> Probably a housing estate. Oh, good grief. Crikey. I don't know. But the entrance to it was on the seafront road. Again, the A259. And you go up this huge drive. Well, big road, really. And there it was sprawled out across, I don't know, a load of land. Lansing carriage works. There were engine sheds at West Worthing. West Worthing Station. They've gone. There were, yeah, there was a whole place I don't know what it was just uh, by Worthing Central Station round the corner from me loads of sidings of course all the transport back in the early days was by rail wasn't it you didn't send things by road whereas now it's all by road of course Dr Beeching shut everything down all the branch lines closed them all didn't he Uh, from the programs I've seen on the telly uh, I mean, some people say he was wrong to do that. Others say he was right. He was doing it from the financial point of view. They were running like a train, a couple of trains a day out to a village and back. And there's sort of four passengers a week, maybe five passengers a week. And they're running, I don't know, one or two trains a day. So obviously they've got the track, they've got the trains themselves, the rolling stock, the staff, the station, the coal for the steam engine. They've got the whole thing to pay for, for a few passengers a week. So I suppose from the financial point of view, well, close the branch line. You know, if people aren't gonna use it, close it, which I suppose was right then. But of course now they're opening some, aren't they? I have heard they're opening a lot of the old branch lines up again. It's a shame because what the branch lines did, not necessarily to a very small village, but they could take in supplies You know, they could use, I don't know, freight trains and stuff. There were freight trains everywhere. I remember at night, especially when we lived in a house that backed onto the railway, there were trains going by with, uh, you know, big tankers full of oil or petrol or whatever from Southampton. Uh, There was the stone train, we used to call it. Loads of trucks full of rocks. I don't know where they were going, but there was always this train full of rocks, loads of wagons loads of freight back in those days. I, mean, I think there's the odd freight train now, but nothing like there used to be. It's a shame because it, now the roads, of course, are blocked up with lorries. Uh, so you, what is the answer? I don't know. You, you can't, this is the trouble, you can't go back. You can't put all the branch lines back again and get rid of all the lorries. Yeah, you know, the system is now so entrenched the way it is, you can't suddenly change it all. And of course, hindsight's no good, is it? So, about as much use as a chocolate teapot. Hindsight, looking back, oh, well, we should have done this, we should have done that. Is no good. Had we known in the 50s what things will be like now in 2021, then we might have thought, right, okay, well, let's keep this, let's keep that. We can do away with that. You know, it would have been totally different. But of course, you can't do that. Having said that, I do think someone should have had a little bit of foresight and thought, well, hang on a minute, just before we go knocking all these houses down, building on floodplains, for example, in the 60s and 70s, before we do all that, let's just have a little look, you know, in our mind's eye to the future. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if we get rid of all the freight from the railways and put lorries on the roads? How's that going to, isn't that an awful word, impact on people? I hate that. It's not impact on people, it's effect. How is it going to affect people, isn't it? Affect with an A, not an E. <laughs> well, no, I won't go off into an English lesson. I've said before, haven't I, about people that say something and nothing. It's not think, something. I heard Pretty Patel on the TV this morning, you know, the Home Secretary. She said something, and she said it more than once. Something. It's something. I couldn't believe it. I, honestly, it, oh, my ghast is flabbered. What hope is there for youngsters, you know, when they're trying to learn English and stuff at school, you know, the, the young kiddies, if people are going around saying something and nothing, I don't know, illiteracy, I better not swear. <laughs> no, it, I don't know. I don't know where it's come from. I know people personally that say it, and I I, I have pointed it out, you know, sort of in a, a, a laughing way, not to be rude, but... Um, I don't know, you don't get anywhere. They still say something and nothing. I lied to you earlier, and I lied on last Wednesday's midweek message. I was talking about Lord and Lady Stern from Highdown Gardens. It's actually Sir Stern and Lady Stern, Sir Frederick Stern. I thought, I I don't know how it works, I thought that she was Lady, or she is Lady Stern, so I thought he was Lord Stern. If a Lord marries someone, doesn't she automatically become lady? Perhaps she was lady in her own right in the first place. I don't know. Anyway, he is Sir Frederick Stern, not Lord Stern. So let's put that right. My mission to find somewhere in the country where there's no drone of traffic, uh, I accomplished yesterday. I went up to, uh, we've got relations that live somewhere near Arundel, back of Arundel, on a farm, and we went up there. I didn't take my recorder with me. Hooray, you're saying. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) We haven't got to put up with more of that bird tweeting stuff and noises in the woods. No, seriously, the farm, um, it's miles from a main road. And I listened and there was nothing in the way of droning traffic. The only thing, there was a railway line not too far away. You could see the line down in the valley from where we were. And I saw a few trains go by, but uh, that wasn't a problem. It's not like the constant drone of traffic. But the birds in their garden on the farm, they've, they've made a very nice garden. They've got pheasants. There were four pheasants roaming around. There was a woodpecker. Uh, yeah, He was uh, feeding on one of the, the feeders. They've got loads of feeders everywhere. Squirrels were all attacking the food as well. Um, there were also a couple of rats. Uh, and as as they were saying, you can't, you know, the rats know where there's food, so they'll come along and eat it. There's not much you can do. You can't put out rat poison or anything. There are just rats everywhere, not only in towns, but out in the country, of course. You know, they're all over the place. But uh, that didn't matter. I mean, they looked all right. They, they weren't interfering with the other birds or anything or the squirrels. So it was lovely. We saw, what was it, um, great tits, uh, chaffinch, I think. I don't know all of them, but he was uh, pointing them all out to us as we walked around the garden. Talking of birds for the last, what, three weeks, maybe four weeks, I've been aware every evening of a bird singing his heart out absolutely loud, singing at the top of his voice every evening. And I've not known what it is. Now, on my phone, I've got an app, you know, where you a bird song app or something. What you do is you record the bird and then it tells you, It gives you, say, four or five birds that it could be, maybe up to half a dozen. And the the top one, it says, this is the most likely and then the second most likely. And the top one, it said, was a robin. Now, I don't know why I didn't believe it. I thought, well, that's rubbish. (laughs) I don't know why. I've never heard a robin sing. You know, they normally sit on a, a fork handle in the garden or something, don't they? On Christmas cards, you see them in the snow. But I've never actually heard one sing. It's in this fir tree, this huge pine tree at the back of our place. And I could never see it. I've looked and I've looked, I couldn't see it. And the other evening I was out there and right at the very top of the tree on a branch, the topmost branch sticking out, there's this little bird. Now I couldn't see it, it was too high up. So I got the binoculars and it's a robin. And here he is singing. He was out there again last night up until, well, gone 10 o'clock it was. He was still singing his head off out there. So he's obviously a happy Robin. Now I've had an email from Frank. Hello, Frank. Frank says one of the days out he remembers was the circus. Well, an evening out, he reckons, was the circus. He said he only went a few times. He didn't like it. Well, I tell you what, Frank, I didn't like the circus. I went once. I'm pretty sure it was only once. I didn't like it at all. I didn't think the clowns were funny. I I know I'm a miserable old devil at the best of times, but I didn't think the clowns were funny. What was I, 12 years old, something like that. The place had an awful smell. I felt sorry for the elephants and the lions, tigers and whatever. The trapeze thing I thought was boring. (laughs) And I remember saying, I don't want to go to the circus again. I just didn't like it. It wasn't my thing. And Frank saying a similar thing here. In his email, he just didn't like it, went a few times. uh, He said, (laughs) he said, my parents dragged me to the circus. So now that wasn't good at all. The fun fair, what I liked about the fun fair, do you remember they used to go around all the towns, didn't they, in the summer? They probably still do. We had one very near to where we lived. So what I would do is wander over there in the evening. And I'd look at all the rides and all the attractions going on. But what really attracted me, I wandered around the back of all the stalls, where the big lorries were parked with the generators, huge diesel generators on these lorries with big ammeters and voltmeters. Oh, wow, that was fantastic. I mean, again, I was only about what, 12, 13, 14, I suppose. I think as I got to 14, 15, it wasn't so much the generators I was looking at, but the girls, because uh, you know, bear in mind, this was the 60s. And the funfair was full of girls in (laughs) miniskirts. Oh, here we go again. You'll say, oh, that reminds me. Who was it? Uh, Steve. Steve messaged me, email. Hello, Steve, if you're listening. And he said, can we hear more about the girls? Well, I don't think so, Steve. No, no, you can't. It's it's dangerous. Uh, (laughs) Verging on being arrested. I meant to have his email in front of me. I forget what it said exactly now, but something about, you're always on about the girls. Can we hear what you did with them? (laughs) That was one thing. Can we hear what you did with them? I looked at them, Steve. That was all. I was more interested in diesel generators, believe me. (laughs) Well, perhaps not. There was something that was good fun for a lot of kids, not so much a day out, I suppose a night out, sleeping in the garden in a tent. Do you remember doing that? Pitch a tent in the garden and... You know, you go out there about eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and you'd have a a torch and, you know, your mum's perhaps giving you some sandwiches. So you've got a a feast in the tent and you'd sleep out there, a couple of sleeping bags, you and your brother or sister or whatever. That was great fun in the summer, sleeping outside. I remember doing that and a few times, about 10 o'clock, you go indoors. I've had enough of this. I'm I'm going to bed indoors. But no, I did actually spend some whole nights outside in the garden in the tent, in the back garden. That was great fun. Not so much a, a night, a day out, as I say, but a sort of a night out. It was just something that we did in those days. I don't know whether, do kids do that now? You know, have you got kids or grandchildren? Do they do that now? I don't know whether ours do. Actually, yes. Our grandkids, I remember a few years back, they had a load of people over uh, for a sleepover and they all had a huge tent in the garden because they've got a big garden where they are and they've got a a huge tent. Yeah, I remember that. And it was full of kids. I mean, uh, I I wasn't there, but I saw all the photos. You know, it was great fun. Of course, days out very much depended, I suppose, on where you lived. Uh, For example, you live in the middle of London. I had cousins that lived right in the centre of London. I forget where exactly. But uh, their days out, we went up and stayed with them now and then, and their days out were going round to the ice factory, and uh, places like that. I remember they said, come and see the ice factory. And it was only down the road and round the corner. And there's this huge building. Big front doors of the building were open, like big sliding doors. And there's massive blocks of ice. This was the 50s. They're making ice. Uh, I don't know who for. But I suppose, I don't know. What, local fishmongers, hotels, whatever, pubs, bars. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, an ice factory. I'd I'd never heard of such a thing didn't know it existed. And they showed me all sorts of things, you know, in London, which uh, which they did on there, not so much days out. They didn't have far to walk to a huge park. Do I forget which park it was? But aren't some of the London parks lovely? Some of them are absolutely huge. You'd think you're out in the woods somewhere, you know, they've got lakes and trees and all also absolutely fantastic places. Surrey, I love Surrey. I was born in Surrey. It's probably why I like it so much. But in Surrey... I've got a squeaky chair again. I have to sort that out, get some WD-40 on it. In Surrey, there's so much woodland about. There's, uh, well, you probably know Box Hill, Leatherhead all around there. There's so much woodland and parks, uh, Surrey Hills, everywhere there's there's parks in Surrey. In fact, my grandfather was uh, head, I don't know which part, head gardener or park keeper or whatever he was up in Surrey or London somewhere. I know, it must have been Surrey because that's where they lived in uh, Sutton. I remember going up there as a kid. That was great. I loved going up to visit them because in their road, just a, a few doors along for where they lived was a bridge over the railway line. And you could look down there and watch the steam engines. But if you went a bit further, there was a big park and there were loads of conker trees. So Of course, at the right time of year, I'd come home with carrier bags full of conkers and I used to sell them at school. <laughs> well, why not? Entrepreneur makes some money out of it. But the park was in the middle it was like a triangular shaped park it was a big park and it was made into a triangular shape by the railway lines there were three lines and you could go wherever you went whichever edge of the park you went to you could look down and watch the engines the steam engines and the trains absolutely fantastic I mean to me going up there to Sutton to to see my uh, grandmother and grandfather that was a fantastic day out I loved going there, as I've said. But of course, people up in that area and in London at the weekends, they used to like coming down to the coast because they you know, they weren't near the sea. They didn't have beaches and all that near them. All they had was the River Thames. And back in those days, that was pretty dirty. So they used to all flock down to the, the coast here. Not all of them had cars, of course. So they'd come down on the train or the bus. Yeah, there'd be coach loads of people coming down from London, you know, which was great. I didn't mind that at all mainly because I was up in the woods and never down the beach. <laughs> I wonder whether days out, you know, when you were a child, what type of days out they were. I wonder whether that moulded you at all. Was it the the parks up in Surrey that I liked? Was that that moulded me into what I am today? You know, I love the countryside. I love the woods. and I don't like the beach at all. Was it that? Was it because... We would visit my grandmother up there or we'd have picnics in the woods. I don't know. Uh, my cousins, I, I don't sort of have any contact with my cousins. I don't know where they are. Two boys, it was, up in London. Uh, they they were fantastic. They were good fun. And uh, I like their parents as well, aunt and uncle. They were brilliant. But uh, I kind of lost contact with them. i have to ask my mum what they're doing. They must be somewhere. I mean, they weren't that much older than me at the time. But I wonder whether living in London, how, spending their childhood growing up in London, uh, you know, in the middle of busy London, I wonder whether that's kind of moulded them at all, made them what they are today. I don't know what they are today. I wonder what else moulds us into what we are. I was always interested in mechanical things, probably because my dad was a motor mechanic and he was always working on cars and that sort of thing. And I, I would not only watch, but help and learn. And a very close friend of the family was a TV engineer, and we, he looked after our telly for us. Whenever he came round, uh, I'd watch him repair the telly and he'd tell me what he was doing. That's why I presume that's well, one of the reasons when I left school, I became an apprentice TV engineer, did a five-year apprenticeship. are The clock's striking. Look, good grief, it's midday. Stone the crows. I wonder where that came from, stone the crows. What else? Oh, yeah, good grief. A friend of mine's always saying, good grief. The other one's always saying crikey. You pick these things up, don't you? There used to be a load of things like that that people said. Um, these days they just swear, which is such a shame. It's not necessary, is it? Not necessary to use that sort of bad language all the time. I think things like crikey. One word that's never used anymore is uh, R-U-D-Y, ruddy. Is it Oh, double D? Uh, ruddy. And that, that's a, a ruddy colour, isn't it? A reddish colour. But people used to say, oh, the ruddy thing doesn't work. Ruddy, it's not a word used anymore, is it? I've just been thinking about Christmas. Well, no, I shouldn't mention the C word, should I? Christmas, good grief. That's months away. We haven't had a proper summer yet. But Christmas was always something that you stayed at home for. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, you'd stay at home. The traditional Christmas dinner, it was all the traditional stuff, the crackers, the decorations, the silly hats, Morecambe and Wise on the telly, (laughs) do you remember that? But these days, people go out. I know several people that on Christmas day, they go out and have a curry. I mean, I I don't understand that. It's not, I don't know, a curry on Christmas day. I just, it doesn't work for me. I just can't understand that. I like the traditional Christmas at home. Of course, if there's someone on their own, an aunt or an uncle, then you invite them over even a neighbour on their own, you know, you invite them in for Christmas. That's great. But to go away, we went away once, oh, dreadful. It was dreadful. We went to a, a place up near Horsham. It, I don't know, it wasn't good. Went with a daughter, son-in-law, kids, all that. It, I mean, it was a nice day. But the place we went to, I don't know, it just wasn't... It wasn't... No Christmas atmosphere, I think that's what it was. When we got there, we went in, and someone just sort of looked up and said, yes, we said, well... Christmas dinner oh yeah if you go through there wait in there we went into this big room no decorations nothing like that at all and we're just there's only us there no one else we're just standing around thinking well is this the right place what's going on eventually a few more people turned up looking as, as lost as we were then we were ushered through to this dining room place yeah the food was okay but I remember thinking never again I want to stay at home you know I like being at home for Christmas day it's fantastic Back in the 50s, early 60s, when I was a child, you know, we didn't go out every weekend. You know, we weren't always have having picnics. Um, a lot of the time, you know, at the weekends, I did my own day out, which was normally over the woods, over the farm. There were several farms around, and you know, go and annoy the farmer. Actually, it didn't annoy him. He liked. To, there was one farmer in particular. He loved seeing us kids. You we know, we go over there, and he'd say, "Oh, hello, you lot. What are you back again? You know, what are you up to?" And, you know, he'd uh, show us farm machinery, tell us about the farm. It was interesting. He didn't look upon us as a nuisance or anything. I remember once we were walking away and there were some ducks around. And I saw this duck lay an egg. And I thought, oh, look at that, it's a big turquoise sort of egg. So I, I picked it up and I thought, I wonder whether I should take it home, give it to my mum. You know, can you eat ducks' eggs? And it was because it had just been laid, it was soft. You could kind of mould it. Anyway, I took it home and uh, my mum did cook it. She, <laughs> she cooked this egg and it was horrible. I didn't like it. But anyway, that was, you know, again, that was uh, learning on the farm. I suppose the farmer would have told me off if he'd seen me nick the egg, but that was all right. You know, he was a great bloke. He used to tell us all sorts about the land and about wildlife and things. It was good. So you could make your own days out. You know, you weren't, if your parents said, oh, we we're not going out this weekend, I didn't mean to say you're just stuck at home on your, on your own board. You know, you make your own day out. You go around a friend's place or go over the woods with some mates. You know, it was great, great fun. Of course, there was nothing on the television in the 50s anyway, in the daytime. In the 60s, there was on a Sunday. Was it Sunday? Was it Bonanza? Do you remember Bonanza? Ben Cartwright and Hoss. I think that was on a, on a Sunday. There were one or two other programmes But uh, yeah, Bonanza, I used to like watching that. And of course, then other stuff came in, Stingray and Thunderbirds, all this uh, American stuff, which, you know, it was great. But on a summer's day, even though there was things to watch on the teddy like that, I never stayed in. I wouldn't sit there watching TV. You know, the sun's out. The farm's just a, a walk away. The woods are just over the road. I wouldn't sit there watching Bonanza. But of course, as I'm always saying, things were very different then back in the 50s and 60s. There was one thing I liked doing. Uh, my grandparents, one set of grandparents, lived in Lansing, and we go over to Shoreham Airport. Now, during the war, this was in the 50s, during the war, there was a kind of some sort of rifle range there. Not sure what for, well, obviously, uh, shooting rifles. <laughs> they had brick walls where the targets were, presumably, and there was a lot of sand. And you could poke around in the sand and find these little brass shells. You know, the, the little shells that pop out of the rifle when you fire the thing. I used to collect loads of those. They are all about the same size. I've no idea what calibre they were. I don't know what rifles they were. But I remember my grandfather saying that it was a rifle range. And there were literally hundreds of these little brass shells. Even though this was well, a good, what, 10, 15 years after the, the Second World War. They were all still there. And I used to love going over there poking about. I used to sell the, the shells at school, as well as conkers when I went to Sutton. <laughs> I used to sell these little shells. People love them. I forget what I charged, but made some good money out of that. Of course, the airport was right next to the river, so you could watch the boats and things. It was just, uh, again, it was a day out. You know, let's go to Shoreham Airport. Oh, fantastic. Get some shells, look at the boats on the river, watch the planes come in and out. Of course, that's where Poirot, you know Poirot, the detective, the Agatha Christie uh, programme. Uh, some of that was filmed at Shoreham Airport. And it's quite funny seeing it because it is a very much a, a sort of 40s, 50s type building, uh, the, the kind of airport building itself. Or is it even 30s, possibly? 20s, 30s? I don't know. I must find out. But it's funny seeing Poirot there. Hercule Poirot, <laughs> or however you say it. Hercules, as some people call him Hercules, Poiret. Oh, it's great seeing him actually there, you know. And that's where we went, in fact, as I said, the other day for uh, breakfast. There we are, happy childhood days back in the 50s and early 60s. Uh, there was also the uh, Sompting Treacle Mines. Look that up on the internet, the Sompting Treacle Mines. If, uh, you, know, if you feel you're a bit uh, peckish, you just go over there and help yourself a spoonful of either clear or black treacle from the ground where it's oozing out of the treacle mines. Yeah, a lovely place (laughs) to go and visit, the something treacle mines. Goodness me, whatever next. Anyway, email me, Ray. Uh, No, not Ray. Well, yes, Ray's Rants, isn't it? Ray's Rants at protonmail.com. Almost forgot my own email address then. Ray's Rants, all one word, at protonmail.com. As I always say, it'd be great to hear from you especially if you've been to the <laughs> something Treacle Mines. I must go over there and have a look. A chap did a video. I think he put it on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. I might do that later. Something Treacle Mines. He made a video of the entrance to the mines and all that sort of thing. So that might be, might be worth a look. I don't know. Whatever next? Oh, I just remembered, I've got my dentist appointment Saturday morning, 8.30. Of course, you'll be listening to this on Sunday. So it'll be all over by then. The torture, 1,300 pounds. Well, that's my wife and myself. Good grief, I'm in the wrong business. 1,300 pounds. I'm only going there for an hour. And I think, I think she's got a couple of hours spread out or something, but uh, <laughs> it's rather a lot of money. Did I tell, I think I said to you, I said, can't you pull it out? Oh, he said, no, no, you don't want to do that. We'll fit a crown or something. I don't like the dentist. Oh, it's probably dentists listening. I do. I mean, dentists are lovely. They're wonderful people. No, seriously, I'm not looking forward to that. So anyway, that's Saturday morning, half eight. And then here we've got on Saturday, our daughter's birthday. She's one of the one of the daughters, is it? She's 31. So we're going to have a few people around for that in the garden, hopefully. Then so we've got some sunshine. And then Sunday, what are we doing Sunday? I don't know. We seem to be completely booked up for things. Mind you, I do sneak in the odd day out, such as high down gardens, breakfast at Shoreham Airport, things like that. Where it's not a day out, is it? It's just a little outing, which is rather nice. I've just redone all the bird feed in the back garden because, uh, you know, these fat balls and these slabs, they're made of, I don't know, animal fat or something. And it was going all over the border. So the board is covered in this sort of animal fat and grease. And nothing was growing there. Anything that was growing there died. All the leaves get covered in fat. Anyway, I put a huge tray, like a big plastic tray. You're not interested in that, are you? What am I going on about? Our frog is still out there in the pond. Our tortoise pops out when the sun's out. He can come in and out as he pleases. He's got his own, like a cat flap thing. He can just come in and out to a, an area that's his in the garden. So he's out at the moment because we've got sunshine. The frog's out. The rabbits are out. And I'm indoors, so I'm going to go outside. Now, take care. Hope you're doing okay. Hope you're keeping healthy, exercising. (laughs) That's what I should be doing. Go for a walk every now and then, especially when the sun's out. Have a walk around the roads. Don't breathe in too many car fumes. Of course, we're all going electric, aren't we? Electric cars. When's that? Is that all going to be within about 10 years? That's strange, isn't it? When you look at all the cars on the roads, all the petrol and diesel cars, in 10 years' time or whenever, they're all going to be scrapped. Presumably, is that right? I don't know, perhaps I've got that wrong. Anyway, raise rants at protonmail.com. Take care, behave yourselves, and I shall see you on Wednesday for the midweek message. Bye-bye for now.